And welcome in. Happy New Year. Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast, the first of 2022. This one, we just turned things over to the game night. I had some things to say about a number of topics on Wednesday night. Of course, what's dominating headlines, at least in the state of Wisconsin and probably around the entire NFL, is the situation regarding Pro Football Weekly's Hub Arkish and Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers. That's gotten ugly. I had some things to say about that on the show on Wednesday night. Also checked in with longtime friend and longtime columnist. Now, I guess I've dubbed him columnist emeritus, Tom Oates, formerly of the Wisconsin State Journal, although uh, occasionally he pops up here and there. One of the great stories in sports that we've seen so far in the last month or so has been the Wisconsin men's basketball team and their outstanding sophomore, Johnny Davis, 37 points in the Badgers, five-point upset uh, over number 3 Purdue at Mackey Arena on Monday night. That's really gotten everybody's attention. And Johnny Davis all of a sudden is being given some consideration and some uh, eyeballs to possible National Player of the Year status. A lot of basketball left to be played in the season. We all understand that. Uh, But Johnny Davis has certainly had a special year so far. Also, finally, wrap things up with some remembrances of my friend Jeff Dickerson. Uh, J.D. passed away at the age of 44, complications from colon cancer. And uh, he really kept his diagnosis to himself and to his inner circle. I'm be honest with you, I didn't even realize that he was ill. Uh, until he passed away. The thing that I remember about Jeff is the incredible strength that he showed when his wife, Caitlin, passed away about three years ago. And she had been suffering from melanoma for the better part of a decade. And it came roaring back like a fire. And I figured the worst was behind J.D. and his son, Parker. Uh, they were going to have to go through life without you know Parker's mom and, and Jeff's wife. And then you know, two years later, it was about a year ago, that uh, we've come to learn that J.D. himself had been diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And again, early detection. If you haven't had a colonoscopy yet, I highly recommend getting one for your own health. I've had one. I'm probably due for another. So I'll probably uh, certainly be scheduling that in the very near future. Uh, You want to stay on top of your health as much as possible because now Parker has to go through life without either of his parents and he watched them both die of cancer, which uh, that's that's more than anybody should ever have to go through, much less an 11 year old boy. But the Chicago community has rallied around Parker. The sports radio community has rallied around Parker. The NFL has rallied around Parker as well as Jeff was such a respected uh, writer and reporter who covered the Chicago Bears for the better part of two decades. So I've got some remembrances of J.D. before we sign off uh, for this first 2022 edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Again, this is from the game night on Wednesday night, January 5th. As the day turns to night, 97.3 The Game isn't done talking about the teams you care about. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. You'll hear from the newsmakers and newsbreakers from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and the world. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. This is the game night. Here's Doug Russell. And a good Wednesday evening to you. Happy New Year, by the way. This is our first new show, or our first show of the new year. It's not a new show, but uh, occasionally we get preempted. That is the uh, the cross we bear as a nighttime show on a sports station that has play-by-play. 
I wouldn't have traded the show for Monday's Badgers game, though. We'll talk to Tom Oates, late of the Wisconsin State Journal, coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Johnny Davis, National Player of the Year candidate. The Wisconsin Badgers, a team that was picked to be 10th in the Big Ten. Now it's a 14-team league, so it doesn't sound, it's not quite as bad as it sounds, but still, they were picked 10th in the Big Ten. They might be a top 10 team when all is said and done when the new rankings come out on Monday after knocking off number three Purdue at Mackey Arena on Monday night. And then last night, all of the shows that we usually have on Monday, they were postponed until Tuesday, and that knocked us off the air again. So the moral of the story is I'm here tonight, and I guess it's a good night to be on the show. I know everyone has had their pound of flesh for uh, and, and tried to get their pound of flesh from Habarkish. I didn't anticipate that that is what I was going to be talking about when we began the show today, but it's just too good in case you missed any of it, because I know a lot of folks are getting out of work right now. They're getting into the cars. They hadn't heard Drew and KB earlier today, or maybe you heard Zabe early this morning as well, but you didn't hear Aaron Rodgers and his response, which, okay, so there are no winners here in the Hub versus Aaron camp. Because I'll play Hub Arkish's argument, if that's what you want to call it, from his appearance yesterday on 670 The Score, WSCR Radio in Chicago. Play that for you coming up here in a second. I don't know if you've heard the audio before. I had only read portions of the audio before I said, well, that's, you know, that's specious. If Hub Arkish is really going to not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he thinks that Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. That's pretty childish, right? That's kind of, I'm just going to take my ball and go sit in the corner and you can't play. Fact of the matter is there's only 50 voters that vote for NFL MVP. It's not like the Heisman Trophy where there's thousands of them and one guy who's sucking his thumb in the corner acting like a baby is going to make a hill of beans difference. This is 2% of the vote. This is now I'm I think that Aaron at this as we sit here right now is probably the front runner. I didn't think it was ever going to be a unanimous vote because there are other legitimate candidates. I think Tom Brady is a legitimate candidate. Let's take off the green and gold colored glasses on this one. Who else is a legitimate candidate? Well, former Badger running back now with the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor, has had a monster season. He is a legitimate MVP candidate. And Cooper Cup's name has been thrown out there as well. He's had a great season for the Los Angeles Rams, but wide receivers... I don't has a wide receiver ever won NFL MVP? I'm gonna have to go look that up. I mean, hell, Mark Mosley, a kicker, won it in nineteen eighty-three for the then named Washington Redskins. So I'm not I guess I shouldn't be surprised by anything. I don't think a wide receiver I have to, I shouldn't I'd have to look it up. Most of the time it goes to a quarterback. Why is the NFL MVP and the Heisman Trophy winner for that matter? Why are they almost always quarterbacks? And I know that there's some lament in the football community among fans is saying, well, 
is it the most valuable player or is it the most valuable quarterback? And my answer to that is yes, both. Because the most valuable position, not only in football, but the most valuable position, singular position in all of sports is quarterback on an American football team or Canadian, you know, the American style of football, not football, soccer in Europe, football, the football that we know that the Packers play. The most important position in all of sports is quarterback. More important than point guard, more important than um, setter in hockey, which is a marvelously important position, more important than any other position in any other sport. Name another sport. And I'm team sports, not, you know, like golf or tennis or something like that, where you actually play a position. There is no, that's why they get paid the most. That's why when you talk about a quarterback getting a quarter of the the salary allocated to any particular football team, yeah, because you can't win if you don't have quality quarterback play. The name Trent Dilfer floats out there in the ether still to this day. Why? Because Trent Dilfer is probably the worst quarterback that has ever actually been on a Super Bowl winning team. Every other team that has ever won a Super Bowl has a quality quarterback. There have been other quarterbacks that, you know, like a guy like Jeff Hostetler, who was a backup quarterback for the New York Giants when the Giants won Super Bowl, I don't know, 20-something. But he had a good game. You can't win a Super Bowl without quarterback play unless you're Trent Dilfer and you happen to have the Baltimore Ravens as your defense winning you that Super Bowl. There's a reason that we still remember that name. But look at the other quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls. Obviously, the first one that you think of is Tom Brady. You know, Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl, obviously. Brett Favre has won a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger has won a couple of Super Bowls. These are all Hall of Fame caliber types of players. Joe Montana with his Super Bowls. He's young in the Hall of Fame winning Super Bowls. You can't win a Super Bowl without a quarterback. It's the most important position. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to compete. The point of all of this is that who has had the better year then when it comes down to the two quarterbacks? Is it Brady? Is it Rodgers? You can make the case for either one. And if you are a voter... And you make the case in your heart that you think that Tom Brady had more to do with the success of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers than Aaron Rodgers did as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Okay. I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you that if you don't vote for Aaron Rodgers and you do vote for Tom Brady, you should have your vote ripped away from you. And it's also one of the things that you should remember and understand about how you vote for MVP. It's not first place, second place, third place like in so many other ballotings for MVPs or Cy Young Awards or any of the other um, awards in, in most of the other sports. It's who's your vote. That's your vote. It's the only one, and there's only 50 of them, and they all count, every single one. So when one guy says, you know what, I think Aaron Rodgers is a jerk, so I'm not going to vote for him, that's not acceptable. And yes, I would say that if he were talking about Tom Brady or anybody else who was deserving of the MVP balloting. You know, I've heard the argument, well, if he, was, if he wasn't based in Chicago and he wasn't talking about a Packers, then you wouldn't be that upset. No, I would be. 
if you are one of the 50 people in the NFL that has been entrusted with casting your vote for the most prestigious award in the NFL, and some would say the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, but splitting hairs. If you're talking about NFL MVP and you're one of 50 people who get to cast your ballot for that, it had better be based on sound reasoning. And this is not sound reasoning. This is Hub Arkish yesterday on WSCR Radio in Chicago. I didn't hear you with Dan and Layla yesterday. Do you have an MVP vote this year, Hub? I do. Yeah, I'm one of the AP. There's 50 of us who vote, and I am one of us. And are you? did you reveal that you're not voting for Aaron Rodgers? Is that correct? I did, yeah. I mean, I've been pretty consistent about that all year. Um, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your, your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. It, it, has he been the most valuable on the field? Yeah, you could make that argument, but I don't think he is clearly that much more valuable than, than Jonathan Taylor or uh, or Cooper Cup or, or maybe even Tom Brady. And, and so from where I sit, the rest of it is why he's not going to be my choice. Do I think he He's going to win it, probably. You know, the, the, a lot of the voters don't don't approach it the same way that I do. Others do, who I've spoken to. Um, but one of the, the the ways we get to keep being voters is we're not allowed to say who we are voting for until after the award has been announced. I'm probably pushing the envelope by saying who I'm not voting for, um, but we're we're not really supposed to reveal our votes. Are they supposed to? Are off-field things like vaccination status supposed to factor in, or are there no guidelines for that? There's no guidelines. Uh, you know, we are told to pick the guy who we think is the most valuable to his team. And, and um, the, you know, I, I don't think it says anywhere, you know, strictly on the field. Uh, although I do think he hurt his team on the field, uh, you know, by, by the way he acted off the field. Uh, you know, I mean. Wait, how? I can't wait to hear this. They're going to get the number one seed anyway. But what if the difference had come down to uh, to the Chiefs game? But it didn't. You know, where he lied about being vaccinated. He didn't lie to his teammates. He lied to the public. He lied to reporters. But the team knew. The NFL knew. The only people they didn't know were us. And I've already said my piece about that. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you know where I stand on vaccination. I think people should do it. I think people should get the shot. And maybe we would be out of this pandemic by now. But again... That's not what this is about. And, 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 you know, ended up not playing and they got beat. So uh, I in a game that didn't have any meaning whatsoever. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Hub. I think all these things should be considerations. That, that's the way I look at it. But, yeah, you know, we're talking about one guy, guys. I, I, I mean, there is there are others, you know, you would have this conversation with who who won't vote for him and will not mention anything off the field because the fact is there are other players, and I just mentioned a few of them, uh, who have also had extremely you know valuable and, and fantastic seasons. The crazy thing is, is that that Chiefs game is probably the most strong case for him to be the MVP because I saw what that team looked like when it wasn't Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And it was an unwatchable offense. Well, yeah, I mean, it certainly is the strongest argument for what he means to the team. Uh, but, you, you know, you get into the argument about valuable. Listen, nobody's going to argue how valuable he is to the team. I mean, I'm not sure they're not a 500 team without him, you know. And, and so, yes, he is incredibly valuable to the team. Then what's your argument, Hub? He is incredibly valuable to his team. I don't know if they're a five. And I agree with him. I don't think the Packers are a 500 team without Aaron Rodgers. 
Can Aaron Rodgers be infuriating? Yeah. Did Aaron Rodgers lie to all of us when he said that he was immunized? Yeah. But again, didn't lie to his team, didn't lie to the league. Antonio Brown had the fake card. That's what earned him a three-game suspension. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they were dinged for not following all of the protocols. But again, it's not like he lied to the people that matter. Because I've got news for Hub Arkish, as a fellow member of the quote-unquote Fourth Estate, we, at, at the end of the day, we don't really matter that much. We are the conduits. We are not the news makers. We're just the ones that take information from players, coaches, owners, executives, etc., and disseminate that to the people that really do matter, and that's the fans. So this was explored a little bit further with Hub Arkish yesterday. His greatest uh, liability, as far as I was concerned, he ruined the entire offseason for that football team. They were left in jeopardy. They had no idea what they were doing. Um, uh, a, a lot of the off-the-field stuff was wasted because he wasn't there. He tortured his fan base, um, uh, and he's and he's getting ready. He's already started doing it again. Oh, he, so, you know, so, he, and, so he couldn't have won the MVP before the season for you? For me? No. Yeah. What? That's not what an MVP is. To have already made up your mind before the first snap of the season commences indicates to me that you don't take your vote that seriously. And if you don't take your vote that seriously, maybe you shouldn't have it as far as some of the off the field nonsense that happened during the offseason. You know, I'll take this journey with you, Hub. But you've got to explain it better than this because you're talking in circles and you're contradicting yourself at every turn. Uh, no, I, I just think that, that the way he's carried himself is inappropriate. And, and, and you know, the, 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 the vaccine thing just was one more, you know, log on the fire, so to speak. I, I think he's a bad guy, you know, and I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable, valuable guy at the same time. Are you serious? A bad guy, and I'm not even making the argument whether Aaron Rodgers is a good guy, a bad guy, indifferent or otherwise, because it doesn't matter. That's not what an MVP is. An MVP is who had the most value to their team. And Hub Arkish said it himself. I don't know that the Packers are a 500 team without Aaron Rodgers. And again, I think he's right. The Packers are not a 500 team this season without number 12 under center. Again, go back to the Chiefs game and argue with me. Wow. Okay. Man, value judgments. It's it. I. I. Because that, that's just. It's an on-field award. That's interesting to me. I've not. I've. I've never. I've heard people talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame that way, Hub. I've never heard someone talk about an MVP vote. In well, but way. isn't 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 value part of valuable? Uh, I mean, it's well, but you're talking about me. values, like you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the value he had to the team by ruining their off season, huh? I mean, they're the one seed in the Super Bowl favorites. Yep, they they overcame it. There's no question about that. But that's no thanks. Well, it is. Thanks it, it, to is him, it is. It is directly yeah. because of him. Yeah, it's directly because of him. Yeah, good mm-hmm. for the guys oh. on the score. Good for them because they didn't just. Say, no, I agree with you, Hub. They're like, no, this doesn't make any sense. Because it doesn't. That is the most childish, specious way of deciding who is going to be your MVP that I have ever heard 
in the 30-plus years I've been doing this and in the 45 years that I've been a sports fan. I know my esteemed colleague, Drew Olson, who I respect immensely, a great deal. I disagree with him on this. I disagree that, well, it's his vote. He should be able to, you know, vote however he wants. He should just do whatever he wants because it's his vote. But it's not. It's not his vote. It's the league's vote. It's the NFL's vote. Now, is NFL MVP, is it the most important thing in the world? Obviously not. But you do have to take it seriously. Again, if it were a Heisman Trophy voter, I'd just kind of shrug my shoulders and say, well, the other 3,000 voters will make up for it. But he's one of 50. It does matter at the end of the day, that if you're going to be one of the 50 that get to vote for the highest season award or the, the most important you know, single season award that the NFL gives out, you damn well better take it seriously. Uh, that was Habarkish. Aaron Rodgers responded to it today. I, I don't know that Aaron helped his cause out a hell of a lot today, but he certainly clapped back. I think he's a bum. I think he's an absolute bum. He doesn't know me. I don't know who he is. No one knew who he was probably until yesterday's comments. But, I mean, to and I listened to the comments, but to say he had his mind made up in the summertime, in the offseason, that, you know, I had zero chance of winning the VP, in my opinion, should exclude, you know, future, future votes. Um, you know, his problem isn't with me being a bad guy or the biggest jerk in the league. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I've never met him. I've never had lunch with him. I've never had an interview with him. Um, his problem is I'm not vaccinated. You know, so if he wants to go on a crusade and collude and come up with an, an extra letter to put on the award just for this season and make it the most valuable vaccinated player, then he should do that. But he's a bum, and I'm not going to waste any time worrying about that stuff. He has no idea who I am. He's never, never talked to me in his life, but it's unfortunate that those, those sentiments, it's surprising that he would even say that to be honest, but yeah, I knew this was possible. Talked about on Mac a few weeks ago, Um, but crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Again, I, I don't know that that was the most mature response that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. He's a bum. But that was Aaron Rodgers' response to it today. And I don't disagree with a lot of the things that he said, but I, I just look at the fact that Hub Arkish is willing to double down on this and apparently did today called Aaron Rodgers, let's see, quote, an incredibly giant douchebag on the score today. So not much of an apology from Hub Arkish. I don't know if he should have his vote moving forward, honestly. I mean, I don't say that lightly. I think that's kind of a knee-jerk reaction sometimes, but sometimes it's warranted. If that's going to be your criteria and you're going to rule somebody out before the season even begins, I can't get behind that. No matter who the voter is, no matter who the candidate is, whether it's a Chicago writer talking about a Packers player or a Packers writer talking about a Chicago player or anybody else around the NFL. It's just wrong. This is wrong. We are going to change gears, and we're going to talk about something that is incredibly right right now. The Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team, maybe a top 10 team in the country. 
Johnny Davis making his case for National Player of the Year as well. The great Tom Oates, late of the Wisconsin State Journal. Coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is the Game Night. Welcome back in. It's the Game Night. Doug Russell with you. Happy New Year. Our first show of 2022. Uh, I want to talk about one team that has already had a happy new year, and that's Greg Gard's Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team. They were picked 10th in the Big Ten, 14-team league, but 10th in the Big Ten at the start of the season. Right now, they put together a resume that might crack the top 10 in the country next week if they can get wins against Iowa tomorrow night and at Maryland on Sunday. Already UW with signature wins over Houston. St. Mary's is a quality program. Uh, They beat Marquette, who just blew out one of the two teams that Wisconsin lost to Providence last night. Uh, UW, by the way, without their best player in that game against Providence. Texas A&M's a good team this year. Point is, Wisconsin is playing well against good teams. Joining me now, longtime columnist from the Wisconsin State Journal. He says he's retired. I'll never fully believe that he's retired. Tom Oates is joining me on the game night. Can I call you columnist emeritus, Tom? What's Do, do you have a title right now? Yeah, be my guest, and if you want to pay me to come out of retirement, I could probably arrange that too. So, all right, I, uh, I'll put, I'll take that under advisement. Yeah, yeah you'll be you'll be working on that. I'm right. sure. Ex- yes, I, as soon as we get off the phone, I will be right, right on that. Let's talk about this Badgers team. A ton of new faces this year after one of the most tumultuous years you could imagine a year ago. Uh, Senior laden team. That was ripped apart by the Howard Moore tragedy and then nearly done in by an assistant coach who just happened to be a program legend. Losses piled up. Fingers were being pointed at each other. Players left. I can understand why expectations were low heading into the season, right? As off-seasons go, it doesn't get much uglier than than what happened in Wisconsin um, really the last two years. You know, starting with with the, the just the unfortunate Howard Moore uh, automobile accident and uh, nothing else compares to that, of course, but it's just been, been one thing after another. And, you know, last year that, that team was monopolized by six or seven seniors um, who got all the playing time, most of the playing time, uh, played all the lead roles. And, you know, they'd all started for two, three, four years. And, and everybody took a look at them and said, well, they have no experience. And they're right. They did not have a lot of experience. But what what I see with this team, young as it is, is that uh, it's gotten back to playing basketball the way we're used to watching it at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, the defense, the the, the sharing the ball, the, the uh, you know the camaraderie, the uh, every everything seems to be back. You know where it was with some of the good teams under Bow and. Uh, and, and and Greg Gard uh, up until the last couple of years, and that, that seemed to that culture seemed to have slipped out of the program. And uh, I don't think there's any question that there was a there were a lot of agendas with all those seniors last year. Uh, a lot of guys wondering where they were going to play. Uh, you know, this current season, uh, they were wondering that last year, which is always a recipe for disaster. So. I think you have a lot of guys, young guys, who have bought into the program. They're playing defense. They're sharing the ball. And it really helps when you have a guy like Johnny Davis who can just go make something happen when you need someone to, to do that when the offense doesn't 
doesn't get anywhere. Let's talk about Johnny Davis for a second. I've heard some shows refer to Johnny Davis as a one-and-done the way that he's playing, that he would go to the NBA draft after this season. I think some forget that he did play last year for this Badgers team. Do you ever remember, though, a player taking a bigger leap from year one to year two than Johnny has in the last several months? Well, I look at the end of last year, and I thought he was playing pretty well last year. Now, don't don't get me wrong. He wasn't playing like he is now. The, the combination of of the confidence, I think, that he gained playing uh, on the U.S. national team, uh, the, 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 the weight training and the strength that he gained. He's clearly stronger and much able to get into the lane and do some things against size than he was last year. But I go back to the end of last year, and I'd say the last, last 10 games or so, he, was, he, was, he might have been their best player. And, and if you remember, when they, when they uh, blew out North Carolina in their first tournament game, uh, down in Indianapolis, uh, he was the best player on the floor. And, you know, he, he's a guy that, that, that uh, he was doing some of the things in that game, I recall, that he is doing this season. But in terms of putting it all together and night in and night out and just being a factor on both ends of the floor, and I might add playing winning basketball. I, I, I can't, you know, has he forced a couple shots? Yeah, he's forced a couple shots. But in terms of his overall play, there's no selfishness about his play. He's he's a, he's a he's a he's a he plays winning basketball. He's a team oriented guy, and and I think we saw glimpses of it last year, especially toward the end of the year. But I I don't know how anyone could have foreseen that he was going to put it all together this quickly. Tom Oates, late of the Wisconsin State Journal, joining me here on the game night on ninety seven three the game. Tom, this being a talk show, we love to make comparisons. It's kind of what we do. I was asked during Monday night's win over Purdue how Johnny Davis compares to Devin Harris. And to me, that's kind of a tough one. Devin played in the early 2000s, some 20 years ago. They play different positions. But you watched Devin Harris's entire career at UW. In terms of talent, is there someone, whether it's Devin or somebody else, that Johnny may remind you of? Well, I think he's kind of a combination of Devin and Michael Finley. He's He's, he's somewhere in between there. He's not as big as Michael. Um, uh, he's, he's, I don't think he's quite as quick as Devin. Um, but both those guys, Michael Finley and Devin Harris, were, in my mind, transcendent players. I mean, they were, they were players who could have come here and played in any system and been great players. Now, um, you know, I thought, and, you know, uh, point guard is a position you always wanted to play for Bo Ryan. And when he moved Devin over there to point, you know, Devin was not, uh, was not a true point guard when he came here. I, I, I thought Devin became the best player in the Big Ten. And, and I thought if Michael Finley had played on a little better team with a little better supporting cast um, outside of Webster and, 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 then that, and then that one year and then with Griffin, I don't think Wisconsin had a great supporting cast at that particular time. Um, but, uh, you know, Devin got to playing with a good, really good bunch of guys. And I think that's happening again. I think it happened with Kaminsky. Well, Kaminsky and Decker were, were, you know, were the only real twosome they had that I thought were, Mm -hmm. you know, elite players. Um, but in terms of just impact on the court on both ends, uh, and, and really more than anything, playmaking ability, um, 
you know, which this program sometimes lacks a guy who can, who can just go make a play. Um, he certainly ranks right there with, fin- with, uh, with Devin. And uh, Finley was a little more of an off the ball kind of guy and, and a catch and shoot and then drive. But um, he's right there with those two. Uh, you know, I don't think his, his career is probably not going to have the longevity of either one of those two. So it might be a little hard to discuss, but the trajectory he's on, if he can keep this up against big 10 competition, he certainly is in the, is in the, uh, on the short list for greatest players ever here. Yeah, man, I think that uh, Badgers fans are kind of stealing themselves to the understanding that this might be it for uh, Johnny Davis at the University of Wisconsin would probably go pro, especially if uh, they think the team around him uh, thinks that he could be a lottery pick in the NBA draft, which is kind of what it's looking like right now. I do want to ask you, though, about another guy who has a huge role on this Badgers team, and that's Brad Davis. And Badgers fans love him. Everyone else around the country, particularly in the Big Ten, will, I guess, just say they have a different opinion of of Brad. But from an intangibles perspective only, you know, you can talk about his on-the-court prowess and, you know, some nights he's shooting better than others. Always a great free-throw shooter, especially at the end of games. But from an intangibles perspective, how important, in your opinion, has Brad Davison been to this team from last season into this year? Well, he's been important for a number of reasons. And the other one is that this team hurts for scoring at times. It's probably its biggest weakness. And, you know, Brad's been scoring pretty well. Uh, he's, a, he's a good shooter. He's playing, he's playing off of uh, Johnny Davis really well. Um, but I, where, where, where Brad has really impressed me this year is he's walking a fine line. Um, this team wanted those seniors gone. They wanted a fresh start with new leadership with, you know, guys like Chucky Hepburn and, and, and Johnny Davis and, and Tyler wall being the leaders of this team. And, and Brad came back and that could have created a sticky situation because Brad's a natural leader and he's got all this experience. Um, you know, and you see it on the court, him telling Stephen Crowell to take the guy one-on-one, just pointing right at the rim, you know, and, and, uh, and, but he, he's, he's allowed these younger guys to kind of make it their team, but yet he's always there uh, as kind of as a backstop, as, a, as, a, as the, the old man who can give the sage advice. And uh, he's walking a very fine line there, and so far I think he's done a really good job of walking that line. He says he wants to be a coach when his playing days are over, whenever that is, if it's uh, after this season or perhaps maybe after a uh, playing career in Europe. But uh, I want to talk about in the remaining couple of minutes that we have with you, uh, Tom, about the current coach. And because he's not Bo Ryan, because the Badgers haven't gone to -to back-to-back Final Fours under Greg Gard yet, sometimes I think that there are fans who like to take pot shots at Greg Gard. But if you look at his record, and I know that this was tweeted out by the Wisconsin basketball program, but it bears repeating just to kind of appreciate what Greg Gard has been able to do as Badgers head coach. 
Uh, on Monday night, the Badgers earned their ninth win over a top 10 opponent under Greg Gard. Uh, against Purdue, they were number three in 2020. So exactly two years prior to that, they win at number five Ohio State. You go back to January of 2019, they win against number two Michigan. They beat number six Purdue in 2018. The year prior to that, they beat top ranked Villanova. They beat number nine Xavier in uh, 2016. Uh, they beat number eight Iowa also in 2016. Number two Maryland and number four Michigan State. I mean, this is a pretty darn good record that Greg Gard has against top 10 teams that the Badgers have played in the six years that he's been their head coach. Greg Gard really obviously had a tough act to follow. And, and, you know, everybody's going to suffer by comparison. Um, But the fact is under, for most of Greg Gard's tenure, the Badgers played like they always played. They could, they, they found a way with uh, basketball IQ or effort or or, or strategy or adherence to game plan or whatever you want to say, they found a way to play with anybody. And when you can play with all the top teams, at times you're going to beat them. And Greg Gard has done that. Bo Ryan did that for years. Um, you know, do they have as much talent as a Michigan year in and year out or a Michigan state? No, they don't, but they, but they play with and beat those teams. And, and Greg Gard does that. And you don't do that by accident. You do that by having good players, good kids, players who listen to coaching, who want to be coached, uh, players uh, who, you know, are maybe better collectively than they are individually, all those kinds of things. And, you know, that's Greg Gard's a very good basketball coach, and, he, and, he's, and he's done a lot of that. That's all on him. Now, I think he gets straight with a certain group of kids maybe with the help of some agitation from people inside and outside, I might add, the program. I think they, they kind of strayed from that the last couple seasons. But it certainly appears as if, it, it, as if he's gotten it back. And I'm not discounting the fact that that player on rest last year wasn't a little wake-up call for Greg. I, I don't know that, but, uh, you know, maybe he had kind of lost his way. Maybe he was feeling pressure and and, and – you know, and maybe had lost his way, especially in terms of his player relationships. I mean, Doug, you know, you know, Greg, he's one of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Sure. And, and some of the stuff these players were saying about him, I would, ju- I was just shaking my head going, wait a minute, that's not the Greg Gard I know. But I also know this, uh, Greg Gard is a really smart guy and he took something, I don't know exactly what, but I, I guarantee you he took some things away from that whole situation and, and made himself a better coach. Well, it seems as though uh, you may be uh, hitting the nail right on the head there because of all those nine wins that I just ripped off a couple of moments ago. Noticeably absent, there were no top ten wins last year when all of this tumult was going on. When going into the season, after they had quote-unquote won this mythical ESPN simulated championship, uh, the Badgers didn't have any of those wins. Uh, So take that for whatever it's worth. And, um, boy, I I, I tell you what... um, you know, it's been fun to watch this team play. It wasn't so much fun to watch them play last year. It's always fun catching. No, that's true. Yeah, without a and, doubt. And and let's also point out the Big Ten is tough this year, and and there's going to be some disappointments here along the way. Hundred um, uh, percent. But it's it's just Wisconsin's back in that position where they, you know, I mean, to me, at Purdue is the toughest place in the league to play, 
every year. Stadium, fans, team that plays there, everything. And indicates, you know, what the ceiling of this team is. And it's a, it's without a third and fourth, fifth scores, might be hard to hit that every every game. And there's going to be some bumps. But, uh, you know, they certainly are way better than where they were picked in the Big Ten, and that was 10th. Definitely. Even in the 14-team Big Ten, uh, certainly, like I said at the outset, they may be a top-ten team in the country if they can rip off a couple more wins this week before next week's rankings come out. Tom Oates, late of the Wisconsin State Journal, kind of to spend some time with us here on the game night this evening. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. I know you'll be watching. You watch all the games, as do I. Uh, of course, I'll be on after the game with the post-game show as well. Tom, appreciate the time very much, and uh, this was fun catching up. Yeah, my pleasure, Doug. Thanks, Tom. There he goes. Tom Oates, late of the Wisconsin State Journal, longtime columnist based in Madison. Uh, some of my favorite memories of Tom Oates over the years when he was still actively on the beat, there were times when the Badgers would be playing a game, and you know how college football is. Some cities in the Big Ten are like Minneapolis or Columbus, big cities that are easy to get to and traverse. Uh, not necessarily the case with some other places like Champaign-Urbana. That's a difficult place to get to or happy valley where penn state plays you know that's a difficult place to get to but no matter what and where the badgers were playing it could have been a night game it didn't matter because if the packers had a home game the next day Tom Oates was at Lambeau Field every single time without fail. One of the hardest working columnists that uh, was in the game for a long, long time. And he certainly has earned his retirement. And we appreciate his time tonight here on the game night. All right. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a show. I guess that sometimes happens when you've got uh, other games going on, whether it was the Badgers bowl game. Sometimes we have coaches shows on, which was the case last night with the Greg Gard show and then the Wisconsin Hockey Hour. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll have the Chris McIntosh show, which will preempt us before the Badgers take on Iowa at the Kohl Center. But uh, in the last couple of weeks since we last had a show, we've lost some people in sports and out of sports. And I know that there's been so much attention that's been focused on a couple of them, but I have some personal remembrances of another friend that I personally lost and that sports radio lost over the last couple of weeks as well. I have some thoughts on my friend, the late Jeff Dickerson, and uh, that's coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. I'm Doug Russell. This is The Game Night. continues for just a few more minutes here on 97.3 the game doug russell with you iron jock is here for you new year new uh, new gear it rhymes new year new gear new goals now through january 16th take 20 percent off of iron jock gym shorts t-shirts socks athletic jackets pants and beanies when you buy 50 dollars or more with the promo code new year 20 iron jock it's what's inside that makes you great online at iron j-o-c Dot com. Time now for a quick trip take of the day. Need something for dinner tonight? Don't cook. Stop by your local quick trip and pick up a freshly prepared and absolutely delicious take-home meal. Always fresh, never frozen. I think we're going to pick up the fettuccine Alfredo with grilled chicken tonight. That's sounding good on my way home uh, tonight. The missus is working late. 
as well. Uh, my take home of the day is if the NFL wants us to take their MVP award seriously, they should have people who are serious about voting for the MVP, uh, not for some silly reason that uh, the aforementioned, as we've been talking about earlier in the program, Habarkish, uh, talking about how Aaron Rodgers is a, let's see, what did he call him? And I'm, I don't want to misquote him. Uh, I think he called him uh, a giant douchebag and also called him the biggest jerk in the NFL. That is not a reason to not vote for somebody for most valuable player in the NFL. Even when you admit that no player had more value to his team than Aaron Rodgers did. That is my quick trip take home take of the night. All right. So the last couple of weeks have been tough as we've closed out the year. Society lost the great Betty White. Uh, There's a viral trend, by the way, to donate $5, just 5 bucks to your local Humane Society. In her name, on what would have been her 100th birthday in two weeks, I think it's January 17th, I'll certainly be doing that. Football lost John Madden. He was 85 years old, but was someone that football fans of my age and around my age, we grew up with John Madden on television. And what we loved about him was that he was an everyman, and he was someone who made football fun. And... I certainly mourn these superstars along with everyone else in society as well. But my friend died. Uh, Many of you have heard the story of Jeff Dickerson, who was at ESPN Chicago and ESPN Radio for the better part of 20 years. He was one of the ones who helped build ESPN 1000 into a relevant radio station. And there are a number of things that make J.D.'s death so much more heartbreaking. Number one, he was just 44 years old. Another thing was that his wife, Caitlin, died just three years ago. I figured Jeff had already been through the worst of it. You know, when Caitlin died, she had melanoma and battled it for years and years and years. Can you go through anything that's a whole lot worse than that? And they have a son. Little Parker's not not little as he used to be. He's now 11 years old. And, And you know what people say when someone dies and they say, who's just the nicest person ever? Most of the time it's a lie. And with J.D. it wasn't. The reason that J.D. had so many friends is because he was the rarest unicorn of super talented guy, super outgoing and welcoming guy, and super chill guy, all wrapped up into one. Our paths crossed during my almost decade when I was based in Chicago at Sporting News Radio. We're about the same age. I'm a couple years older than him. But as was the case with countless others, we hit it off right away. He was as professional as you could possibly get. Accuracy mattered to him. But he would also hold players and coaches to account. But he was always uncompromisingly fair in the press box before games. He was oftentimes the first one in and the last one out. Again, that's a cliche, but in the case of J.D., it was the truth. With new reporters, he would go out of his way to welcome them to the beat. Welcome to Chicago. Is there anything that you need? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do to help? But once he got to know you, he was the social director of the group. On the road, he'd be the one to make the dinner reservations. He would make sure the party was as big and as inclusive as it could possibly be. My favorite memory of J.D. is always going to be when we were at the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, Super Bowl 39. He had some kind of equipment malfunction for his Saturday show on ESPN. And he asked us, hey, you know, do you mind? Can I use your equipment? And we're like, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. We're not using it. 
Uh, so JD did a show. Then he brought us back the equipment into our workroom. Our workroom happened to be right next to where the fo- the pro football writers were debating candidates for the Hall of Fame. The walls of those modular partitions were paper thin. In other words, JD and I just kind of sat there listening to the debate. We were just eavesdropping, and that's something that I'll take to my grave. Jeff was a Buffalo Grove kid. He never left, and that's where he's going to be for the rest of eternity with Caitlin. Rest easy, pal. We'll see you on the other side.